everybody. Welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. This is actually the second part of the conversation that Dad and I had based on his encounter with the Pew Research Center's study on whether millennials are more spiritual or not than the previous generation. I really enjoyed our conversation, so we actually split it into two. So if you haven't heard the first part, I recommend you going back and checking out that episode. Or just feel free to listen in on the conversation. Thanks so much. I'm wondering if you think that the fact that millennials aren't coming to church has more to do with a shift in faith in Americans, or is it just a shift in lifestyle? And how was the culture of church among young people when you were in your 20s and 30s? Because... I mean, I grew up with like you and mom mostly around and we had a nice house and we had a car, you know, and we were able to go on modest but normal family vacations every year. And and I think now, you know, millennials are struggling to have two income homes just so they can get the rent paid and they don't have uh, extra income and they're waiting to have children because they can't afford them. And So where I felt like our life had more space in it, um, time, resources, especially family time together, um, that then allowed for two to three hours on a Sunday morning to go to church and maybe during the week to spend time with others. It feels like now for many millennials, Sunday might be the only day they have to relax because all week they're crazy busy and on Saturdays they're trying to do the laundry and get the groceries done. So do you think that it's actually a shift in phase or do you think that it's just a result of a sped up and more demanding lifestyle? Both and probably a little bit, bit more. Yeah. Um, I think the church has not done well at spiritual direction. The church has not done well at helping people figure out where they are, answer the question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And how do you want to come and follow me if you want to come and follow me? And how do I do that as I try to move forward with my life? The church instead fell into the easy answers of indoctrination. I think churches in general, which are institutions, fell into the institutional problem of we have to make us all the same. And it's easier if we all do the same thing in the same way at the same time. Yeah. I'm just thinking like Andy Stanley, who is a prominent and successful Christian minister in America, he says like, you can't just have one church service. Nobody has just one time to go see a movie, to go to the restaurant, to go get their nails done. Like that just doesn't exist anymore that you only have one time. So like their services on Saturdays and Sundays, and I think they have seven or eight services and they have like eight campuses across the the city of Atlanta. And all of those have multiple services. Right. It's so so much choice is given to their congregants. Yeah. Yeah, because if you want to go see a movie, which more people want to do that than go to church, um, yeah, 
you have lots of different choices and lots of different times at those choices. And if it's like not within 20 minutes of the time you want, you look for somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. to do something that you really want to do, you know? Um, yeah. So true. Well, yeah. He also, it's funny, but it's like just another simple example, but it's true, just not keeping up, is he says, like, get rid of your pews. Nowhere do you go except, like, a bus stop where you have to sit on the right. same bench as a stranger. People need their <laughs> own chairs. Like, yeah. He just yeah. said, like, it's just not done, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's so true. Like, so it's these, the, it's true. Like, it's right. like right. kind of like this education system in America. It's like the church culture stopped in 1960 and right. never moved forward. Right. Um, and, and if that's true about the time and the sitting arrangements, it's even more true about the spirituality that we professed. Everybody has to think the same and do the same and enjoy the same and refrain from enjoying the yeah. same. So when I grew up, well, before I grew up, my grandmother had to sign a, a piece of paper that said she would not drink and she would not to go. She would not go to any establishment where alcohol was served. Wow. My grand, my father, my father drank a couple times in the military, lost control, remembered his alcoholic family member and decided this is not good for me and put it aside. Yeah. I drank like a fish in college, which I'm not supposed to say as a minister, because that might give kids an, an, an idea that it's okay for them to drink too, and stopped drinking to excess and stopped drinking for the most part because of how it affected other people around me. I began to find that there were alcoholics in my life. And even though they said they're responsible for their own drinking, I said, it's not good for me to go to their house and drink. Because that gives them or someone else an opportunity to say, well, the minister drinks, so it's okay for me. Well, it's not okay for you. Because you can't handle it. But the church back then said, none of us will drink. So Baptists hugged each other in church, didn't recognize each other in the package store. You know? <laughs> Which is the oh. liquor store for those non-Rhode Islanders. Right, right. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, but so I think the church has just gotten to the point where in this church, we believe this and we do this. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't fit that, then go find another movie. Right. Right. Um, so I think that's a big problem, which yeah. which has to do with both philosophical approach and practical approach. You know, well, I don't believe that, so I don't belong here. You know, well, that's true. I mean, there there could be churches that do it all right culturally, but if you get there and they're preaching values and morals that you don't agree with, you're not going to stay there. Right. So well, the two have to go together. Sometimes you are because like. My friend at the Catholic Church here says there's at least half of us in our church that don't believe all the social things of the Catholic Church anymore. Yeah. But this is part of our tradition. Yeah. And we can look past that for what yeah. we do love. 
Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. It goes the other way, too, that, like, there are people who are, can get over the cultural um, discomfort because the message right. is so helpful. But it all reminds me of that. Um, it's it was it's Jesus's brother, right? That said, like we want to remove as many obstacles for people coming to God. When they were talking about, were they talking about circumcision or one of the? Yes. And that yes. I mean, I just think that's so powerful. Like, why do we yeah. want people to have to get over the cultural difficulties, right? Right. In order to hear the right. message. Right. And so now, when your children, when you all we're learning in school that this world is billions of years old, trillions of years old, hundreds of trillions of years old. I don't know, but I can already feel Annika pretty mad at us as she's listening to this. Why? Because like, we don't know how old the earth is supposed to be. Does anyone really know how old it is? It keeps growing in age. Um, but the church was still preaching that it's 6,000 years old. Yeah, right. Yeah. 6,000 years old. How egotistical is that yeah you know it's only yeah. as old as yeah. we can trace back human history and that yeah. didn't even go back far enough yeah. yeah 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 you know yeah i mean i just had a conversation with a friend this weekend about how we both neither of us like turned away from the church but when we both got to college we were both like oh dang like god's not real right I had really been hoping he was. Right. This is a big bummer. Yeah. So, and, it's, and it took us both years to then come back around. Because I don't believe that is a true statement. I, be, I do believe God is real. Right. I believe the church was wrong. Right. Exactly. We weren't, we weren't equipped with the necessary information to face the world of science and philosophy, not to defend, not to be brainwashed, but to hear others' perspectives, look at our own perspective and say, yeah, mine stands right. up to that. Right. I can also, I can relate to what you're saying. And I can also include this. Instead, the Sunday school, my first picture book Bible philosophy is all we had going into it. And that just crumbled with science. Right. And and if if the first part of the book isn't true, why believe anything else? Yeah, yeah. This this might be a crude analogy, but it's it reminds me of like when people get married so that they can have sex. Like I always think like, oh God, don't do that because like sex is such a very small part of married life. You know, like it's so much more than that. And I I feel similarly to that. Like don't give up your faith because the creation story doesn't make sense. That is such a tiny part of my faith. Right. Like that is such a tiny part of my relationship right. with God. Right. Know? But, it, but if that begins to open up doors of question, right. And you haven't been given uh, strategic ways to look at scripture or you're told you're not supposed to question that. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't stay in a religion that right. told me I couldn't question that. No, of course not. Yeah. You know, I would have left. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah. at that, totally. at my point in growing up, the only choice of leaving would have been to become a Unitarian, yeah. um, which my uncle got my grandmother like forever worried and upset about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, because she wanted to see him in heaven, you know. Yeah. And I said to her, but grandma, he's living the way you raised him. He's. He, he cares about his family. 
He's faithful to his what, who he believes God is, and he's intimately involved with the community and especially people at, that are disenfranchised and forgotten about in this community. Yeah. He's everything Jesus wants him to be. Yeah. yeah. You know, but she couldn't yeah. see it because he wouldn't profess that he believed Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah. So Different you time, know, but it's it's true. Like it hasn't really adapted to this one. So I think there's physical, there's philosophical, um, and what happens is when people began to question, they got treated like Galileo. You know, they got imprisoned. You know, pushed out, cast out, punished. You know, don't tell the priest that, and and that's what leads to hypocrisy. Don't let the priest know you believe that. You know, um, well, why, you know, why am I going to be unloved if I believe this? You know, is God not going to love me if I believe in evolution when God might very well say, yeah, that was one of my best plans. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even more than for many people, then is God not going to love me? But are the people that I have come to depend on and enjoy not going to love me? You know, like, is this community not going to love me? Because I think... I think for myself, like, I feel confident that God's going to love me, even if I explore other avenues. But are the people that I have grown close to going to accept that? Or are they going to feel uncomfortable? Right. But but that thing, coupled with how difficult it is to make one or three of those times um, to worship together, began to get people to say, why am I making such an effort to participate in something that doesn't believe what I believe and condemns me if I don't believe it. And, and as our world grows, that gets bigger, you know, into gender issues and, and sexual preference issues and divorce. And, you know, well, wait a minute, the church has been on the wrong side of racism and imperialism for most of its existence. You know, yeah. why do I want to be a part of that? Right. Why align myself with that? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So is it any reason? The thing that is more amazing to me than the fact that our small churches are struggling is why are there some really big conservative churches yeah. that still profess all that? Yeah. And why are people still flocking to them? Yeah. yeah. But I think... I think that's more, I mean, I believe that's more of a culture, like not not a political view or a social view, but it's those churches have just nailed it yeah. with the culture of the church. Right, I right. Mean, you walk into those churches, it's like you're in like a Starbucks, right. you know? Right. It's just the right music, the right outfits, the right coffee, the right, everything has been perfectly designed. Like they say Starbucks yep. was designed yep. as like the third place. So you go, you have your home, you have your work and Starbucks is supposed to be your third place, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's to be as comfortable as home, but like out in the world. And that's how those churches feel. Yeah. Yep. There's a familiarity. So you yeah. instantly feel comfortable, but there's yeah. something public and nice and yep. hip about it. You know, it feels great to be there. It's easy to go, you know. It's easy to bring others. Yeah, yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I would. I mean, maybe it's also like a lot of people have conservative views, and so they're also comfortable there. But I don't have conservative views, and I'm comfortable yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, okay, so I have another question. When you were talking about how the millennials are not attending church, but they are finding peace in nature or they're finding uh, centeredness or all these things that the Pew Research listed, um, I was thinking about like mindfulness and how actually so much of what we talk about in church is mindfulness, right? Um, yep. But that I feel like the traditional Christian church has kind of dropped the ball on that. Like, and I don't know if when kind of the idea of mindfulness and meditation and all of that started growing in America, if the Christian churches were successful at that time. So they didn't feel like, Oh, we should jump on this bandwagon or if they were threatened by it because it came from like an Eastern perspective, but it just, you and I have talked about this before. Like it seems to me that like, using the Holy Spirit as a method for centeredness and mindfulness and intuition and intention is just such a missed opportunity by the modern American Christian church. Yeah. Um, and I never, I have never heard a sermon about that. Hmm. Huh. You. Like I've never heard someone preach like the practice of connecting with the Holy Spirit as a means of, grounding yourself in your the stresses of your daily life you must have been sick those days that i preached on no. um because i guess a couple things jumped to mind um first and foremost you need to know the church history that the the when we say the american church yeah. we think protestant yeah that's true um you know we do think that the free church yeah. um you know and and the free church grew as Protestants. So yeah. even though we read in the Bible that it's important to get down on your knees and pray, and we 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 lift up James as the man that was called the man with camel knees because he was on his knees praying all the time. Um, if you look at our churches, the old additional churches in America. You can't possibly kneel in the pew <laughs> yeah. because they're boxes. Yeah. You can't kneel. You can't get down. You'd have to be a contortionist, yeah. Yeah. you know, because we didn't want to be Catholic. Yeah. So Catholics had the rosary beads, which is a form of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have them. You know, we believe that the Holy Spirit came to the apostles, hit them with fire, and they were filled. So you just receive the Holy Spirit, and that's all you have to do. You don't have to nurture it. But if I mean, how do you hear from the Holy Spirit then? It just talks to you once it's filled you. It doesn't talk to me. It sure does. Well, then you must not have been, you must not have had hands laid on you and received the Spirit in full. <laughs> You know, um, but that's that's the thing. It's a it's a it, your baptism is a profession of faith and you receive the spirit and you're all set. Go. Wait, is that true? That's when you receive, yes. when you get baptized is when you receive the spirit. Not everybody. But you, oh. your baptism is a profession of faith. It's a yeah. one time thing. You don't nurture that. You just you're baptized now, you know. Um, yeah. We forget about the discipline of the Christian life. Um, and when somebody lays hands on you and you ask the Holy Spirit in and it fills you, that's it. You don't need to nurture that. Right. 
you know, it's a one-time shot and you're all set for life. And if you're not living as a Christian, you must not have done it right. Uh, wow. I didn't ever understand that perspective. And don't do any of these Catholic things and by no means get yeah. involved with Eastern pagan uh, religions. Yeah. But you did hear me preach sermons about Jesus taking time daily almost to go out into the wilderness. Yeah. To go off by himself to pray. Yeah, I guess it's funny, but I really have a different idea of prayer and the Holy Spirit. Right. Because when we think of prayer in the Protestant church, what is that? Talking to God. About our problems <laughs> and people that we're concerned about yeah like material things. well no people that have cancer people that are sick people no no yeah. sorry that's just my verbiage i mean like physical things like earthly yeah yeah. yeah i don't mean i don't yeah. mean cars yeah you know, either praising or or protesting the president. You know, um, asking asking for God to stop the hurricane and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but when Jesus went out daily to pray, what do you think he was doing? Devotionals. He was communing with God. Right, which is what I do. Which in is meditation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's so true what you said about the discipline of it, because like. If I just meditated once, like when I was 20 and never did it again, right. it would have very little positive effect on my right. life. Like, right. yeah, I have to do it. I mean, if not daily, regularly for it to have any kind of positive. Right. Influence. But see, the Catholics mastered that uh, and then controlled it yeah. by setting up the offices of the day. You know, so that the the um, mm -hmm. monks would pray at six o'clock, nine o'clock, twelve o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock, and but then it got into one prayer. You know, one or reading of the Psalms, or which is all great and good, but then you're doing something, you're not listening, you're not communing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but. But the, the, the Eastern faiths know about stopping your life to listen and be. And the Celtic folks knew what it meant to, to use the cycles of the days and the seasons to renew and to be active and to be stopped and to listen and to wax and to wane. You know, they yeah. knew that, but they were pagans. Right. We didn't do anything that was pagan. We didn't do anything that was Catholic. So only the Quakers got it right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they were cast out too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know, I learned in my school that Quakers, like that word Quakers is because they used to get such ecstatic symptoms that they would quake. Yeah. Quakers and shakers. Yeah. Yep. That is so cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's really, yeah, it just seems like a real missed opportunity to me. Absolutely. And I think that that disciplined practice of connecting with the Holy Spirit is something that modern, like millennials who were raised in Christian environments would really relate to and 
I agree. Yeah, it could really benefit. I agree. And and fits perfectly within their tradition. So like if what we were talking about before, like if you're within a tradition and you don't feel comfortable leaving that tradition because of your social background or interaction with your family or whatever, like, you know, connecting with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis is perfectly within your tradition. See, I think I should have a sunrise service. Yeah. If not daily, weekly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to get two people at that. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, we meet here at 4.30 a.m. every day and there's three to four people. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I should have a sunset service. Yeah. You know, for people to stop on the way home from work before they go home and make the transition from daytime work to nighttime love. You know? Yeah. But I'm going to get two yeah. people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the thing is, is, isn't is it now? I mean, the church itself gets right. a handful of right. people, you know? Right. That's the thing. So I think, like, maybe these things that would have felt threatening to a thriving Protestant church in the 60s, that church is not thriving anymore. Right. And so. the early Christian church got together for lunch. Yeah. You know? And because being a Christian was hard. They needed in the middle of their day to find support and regain the power of God for their life. Yeah. Interesting. You know, but see, you can't indoctrinate people who are meditating. Totally. Because you got to let them listen to God. Right. Yeah. It's between them and the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point. They're going to come up with all sorts of different answers. Yeah. Well, that actually perfectly leads into my very last question is, Like, why is it important to get millennials to church? Getting to church was never the important thing. What what the scriptures say is forsake not the fellowship. Don't do this alone. And keep the Sabbath holy. So find a day that for you is the Sabbath. And don't work. Don't work. That's important. It's as part of the cycle of life, having a day when you don't work and can just be is important. You know, but we don't do that. And the Christians combine that with yeah. let's do the Sabbath and then let's worship, fellowship and worship together on the next day. So that was our weekend. Yeah. Now we've combined that, if we're lucky, to an hour and think that that's enough. You know? So why is it important to get people to church? Do you want to know the crass answer? Yeah. Because you got to pay the salary and keep the upkeep of the church. And if you don't get people to come to the church, nobody makes an offering. Although now the big churches are doing it online. Yeah. So at some point they won't care if you come or not, as long as you continue to (laughs) contribute online. But forsake not the fellowship is extremely important. Don't do this life alone. Gather with other believers. That's important. So... But that can be Bible study in someone's home. That can be a consistent chat room that, like you and your sister and brother have. Mm-hmm. Snapchat, Dad. Snapchat, is that what it is? So, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so you, 
what, how powerful would it be to have 10 friends of faith on a Snapchat? Yeah. That would be better than church. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's immediate. You know, I'm going in for an interview today and I'm really scared. Boom, immediate prayer, immediate affirmation, you know, or immediate challenge. Is this really what God wants for you? Then go in confidence. You know, how how cool would those kind of things be? Yeah. You know, that, so, so getting people to church, Jesus didn't have a church. Yeah. Jesus got thrown out of the synagogues that he went to. Yeah. And he caused trouble in the temple. Yeah. I mean, Andy Stanley says faith grows in circles, not, not rows. Like, so they right. have a like Sunday seekers program where people come, but the main congregation is meeting in small groups all week. That's where the magic happens. You know? Right. Small group of exactly. people who are all supporting each other much more in line with the early Christian circles that had lunch yeah. and helped each other get through the day. Yes. That's what's important. Yeah. You know, cause if you try to do it alone, because it's hard, it's not always a blessing. Um, you need support. You need, you need a different view cause you can't hold all of what God wants to share. Yeah. And you can't do all of what God wants done. But I'm convinced if there was a church that got together on Sunday morning to go out and do a soup kitchen or that got together to go bring coats to the homeless or that got together to go to the older people in the community and tidy up their yards, that church would be bigger than if they went to sit for an hour. Yeah, it's true. So that doesn't bode well for me. (laughs) <laughs> or me. <laughs> it's supposed to be the occupation that's never going to go out of business. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what what will be the church of the millennials? I don't know. If I could figure that out, I could become a rich man. Well, I think it's interesting too because if you look at the three of us, like your three kids, I don't know that the three of us would all attend the same church. Right. Right. Even if someone could perfectly design something that would be everything Anna Capri wants it to be, and she would love to go to it, right. it might not be what Andrew and I are interested right. in. Right. You know? So it might be more about what you started saying. Like it might be more about these authentic yeah. questions and and taking the time to listen. And we might not be able to find the one thing that solves all the problems. It might be more about these one-on-one, honest times where we have the space yeah. in our own lives where we can yeah. offer that space yeah. to others, you know. And I think that is actually the course of your ministry. I mean, I've seen you in churches where every seat was filled and I've seen you in churches where they're struggling to get by on a Sunday, but I've watched you where your right. ministry actually happens Monday through Saturday, where it's right. all about these small right. circles. It's all right. about one-on-one right. meetings, you know. That's yeah. been consistent. Like, I've seen that yeah. my whole life. And so I think that is still actually a great need and people are still begging for it. I agree. Yeah. 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 So this week, first help us out. um, Because even together, Amy and I don't have all the answers. 
we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, so even if you just want to answer the question, you know, what do you believe? What do you think about any of the stuff we've talked about? And this week, run an authenticity check in your life. Say, do I live what I believe? And do I try to live up to the things that I set as ideals? so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.